Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Rob here. I had a conversation with Leanne, and it turned into a discussion instead of an interview. I originally wanted to get more of her story, and I believe she did as well. And instead, we discussed her profession. Um, she's actually a psychologist who specializes in breakups of men. And she lives in Australia, but she does work internationally, obviously. Everybody's on Zoom. That's how you're hearing me. And so it's clearly possible to do. The thing with this conversation is that we dove into the vulnerability of men, um, the role changes that women have had, how porn has ruined relationships. Um, we got into some of my past and how shitty of a person I've been, and also how her past is uh, on the receiving end of a shitty person. So it's a little bit of back and forth. It's a, uh, a verbal volley, I guess you could call it. Um, kind of go back and forth. And we had some technical issues. So we split up into two different podcasts, which is really good. So we got about two episodes for you to listen to. Uh, the second one's going to be posted here soon. And I genuinely hope that you enjoy these conversations. Um, hit her up, hit me up. You'll be able to find everything down in the description below this episode. Um, on whatever platform you are listening to, please go ahead and rate this podcast and let me know what you don't like because I'm still learning and I can tell you right now, I'm probably going to overanalyze everything that you say and make it seem like I don't care, but, uh, I'm going to try to make this better. So go ahead and like this podcast. Give me a honest review, um, lie and hit five stars just because I want you to. And go ahead and listen. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, this is a fighter story. And uh, how about you just go ahead and kind of like introduce yourself to our guests. Um, kind of let us know who you are, where you're from, what you do. And uh, we can kind of just shoot from the hip from there and just see what happens really kind of tell your story a little yeah. bit and and uh while you're in your story i'll just probably interject and you know see what happens sounds wonderful cool. so my name is leanne cancer i am in uh sydney australia just outside of sydney actually on the kind of towards the blue mountains area uh i have been a psychologist for over 10 years and now doing um, coaching with people after they experience a breakup and they really want to, well, they need some help to get over their ex and their uh, story with their ex so that they can move on and have a successful life. So as you know, a lot of relationships can lead to trauma and uh, you know, whether it be from controlling behaviours, abuse, trauma from family, whatever it might be. So there's, there's a lot of stories that come out of broken relationships and people really need to be able to tell their story, not get stuck in their story, move on and have a great life. So um, for me, this all started after my own experience. Uh, I got married when I was just 20 with my partner from 17. So he's my first real relationship very very young I know I have a son now who's 21 and I think oh man I don't want him to get married at this age this is way too young 
<laughs> but I really had no concept of, of who I was. So uh, I felt like I grew up in quite a fairly strict kind of Catholic family and, um, you know, very high morals and values and all of that, which was great. But I didn't know who I was. And um, my husband was only 22 when, when we got married. He didn't really have a great concept of who he was either. And it led to me kind of disappearing. You know, I felt like I had no voice. I didn't know what was right from wrong in a sense when it came to being in a relationship. I was pleasing, trying to please him. He was quite controlling, very uh, strong in, in his mind as to the right way to do things and the wrong way to do things. And, of course, the right way was never my way. So <laughs> it, it led to lots of fights but more lots of silence. Um, you know, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but silence can be absolutely devastating to a relationship. It really is like a relationship killer. Uh, often when people go silent, you know, it kind of leaves you to your, your in this space of feeling desperate for, for any kind of words, like just for God's sake, speak to me. Um, and it's really a horrible place to be in. So we were together for 20 years. I was 38 when I finally had enough and, and said, oh, I'm done. And from there, of course, uh, my own journey to healing. And uh, now I finally know, you know, 12 years later or so, I finally understand who I am and that my purpose is really to, to help other people to love themselves and figure out who the hell they are and deal with their trauma and um, know that a relationship breakup is an, is an absolute opportunity to discover yourself and look at how you got in that, that shitty situation in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I might just kind of take this moment to appreciate the fact that I get to speak to you a little bit more right now. Um, so my best friend is actually going through a breakup and it's annoying. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, but also kind of, <clears throat> so I could definitely use you over here in America uh, to kind of take care of the situation for me. Um, but it just, yeah, it's, I don't, I feel like this isn't something that a lot of people really do, you know, like I've never heard of a uh, psychologist specializing in, you know, breakups. Um, yeah. I, like, how did you choose to get into that? I mean, obviously like from experience and everything, but like, while going through like the educational path, is that like something that you had to choose early on that that's kind of what you wanted to specialize in or? No, definitely not. I think it, not. I think it definitely came from my own experiences. So when I started dating, it was, what's the word I want to use? I want to say like disturbing. It was disturbing. You know, I, I tried online dating because my kids at that time were quite young and, you know, I wasn't the partying type. I've never been the type that would go out and, and pick up or whatever. That's just not what I do. So... You know, I didn't know how to meet people, so I, I went the online route. And where what that meant was meeting a lot of people who were angry, a lot of men who were angry, who had no idea how to have just wanted to have sex, who were really crude and rude. 
Hello, I'm not going to go on a date with you if you're going to be an asshole. Excuse the language, but you know, and they just didn't get it. They really didn't get it. And I saw a lot of it. And then, you know, when often women in their or people in their 40s, they break up from long-term relationships. And I a lot of my friends and my clients talking about the horror of dating again after a breakup. And uh, really not understanding that a lot of it is from trauma. So a lot of this anger and resentment and, and shame and guilt and all of this stuff comes from past traumas. But because my friends and clients don't have a psychology degree or any kind of concept about other people's behaviour in, in the way that I did, they couldn't see it. Whereas I would just go, okay, bye. <laughs> mm. But they were taking it all very personally, getting very upset, what's wrong with me, instead of going, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, this is, it's not about you. This is their stuff. This is their stuff. Stop owning it like, like you're a problem here. Um, so and I thought, you know what? I want to help these guys instead of just dismissing them or shaming them. I want to help them. So I actually started. Um, I guess it was through my own journey, the coaching side. Like I, I needed something more, and so I started learning coaching as well. I love the positive aspect of coaching, the looking forward. Um, just a, a different way of looking at things in psychology. So mixing them together is amazing. Um, so helping helping the men, that's where I, I first started. Like really wanted to show men that they didn't have to be like this, that if they were genuinely serious about wanting a good relationship, a long-term relationship, they had to work on themselves. And it wasn't about telling them that they were wrong or shaming them or anything like that. It was about holding space for them to say, you know what, you've been hurt and I want to help you. And that makes a difference. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Because I remember when we first started talking, you were saying that you did specialize or you like to talk with men about a lot of this stuff and, and that we are harder to get to. Um, as far as like actually like getting our attention and saying that we need, you know, help in these areas. Um, how do you go about that? I mean, like, it's not really like you can market towards, you know, guys in a breakup or, you know, like, how do you actually go about like obtaining clients or even, you know, is it just word of mouth or it's, it's just yeah. a really weird field. I've never, I'm just really curious about this. It is actually very hard. Um, but often it is word of mouth. So either um, a previous client will tell their friend, they want to let you talk to this lady, she helped me, maybe she can help you. Um, solicitors or lawyers will say, I've got a client, um, or she'll tell him, why don't you call Leanne? I, I think she could help you. Um, I've got naturopaths that I'm in contact with who will say, again, I think you need some more help than what I can do. So often it is word of mouth. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so I post a bit of stuff there. Instagram, yeah, I don't have time for a lot of social media. I <laughs> do a lot of it. But um, I, I try to get out there a little bit. Uh, I do notice that a lot of women mostly comment, which is fine because they need help too. Um, LinkedIn has been a nice kind of place, I guess, because I guess it's a different audience. Um, 
And yeah, you know, I often get guys from like India or Pakistan or um, Dubai have contacted me and kind of reached out as well, which has been amazing because uh, you know the culture there is very different to America and Australia, and those guys are feeling very, very um, isolated. You know, I've heard from many of those guys that in those countries it's always considered the man's fault. And divorce is very taboo. You know, I've had had a couple of guys say that they've been separated for 12 months and nobody knows. They just yeah. pretend like they're it's all still a thing. They're all still married. So it's pretty, pretty horrendous for, for those guys as well. So this is a worldwide problem. It's, it's not just a Western culture yeah, issue. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you mm. said something earlier. I know like it was in a completely different context but you said that um like during your relationship there was i I don't remember the exact word so i apologize for that it was almost like a beratement essentially to where you went silent um i do feel like you know even in a different context but it almost seems like as a man we're supposed to be silent like we're i don't feel like we're allowed to say that we're hurt like it's the right thing to say you know like that oh it's okay to cry you know it's okay to do these things and but it just it doesn't feel you know like we're supposed to even if like some of the the men that I respect the most are are the most honest you know like down to earth like very humble emotional men um that Mm -hmm. don't mind you know speaking their truth and putting their heart on their sleeve but it just kind of feels like it's like there's something in us that's like it it holds us back from kind of that vulnerability of like you know you can have what i want you to see or yeah the camera just does that every 30 minutes don't worry about it but yeah it's like like here's what i want you to see you know here's what's what's allowed and then like to the family they get a little bit more but there's still like this 5% that like, as a man, we're not allowed to show for some reason. And it, it kind of seems like that's the 5% that you're kind of targeting to try to like to bring out to, to kind of help if, if I'm getting that correctly, I guess. Yeah. And I would say it's a lot higher than 5%. Yeah. Actually. Okay. Um, I still hear a lot of guys say, you know, to me, you're the first person I've ever told this to whether it be something that happened to them as a kid or in their marriage or whatever it might be. Or you, I you know many years ago, one man said to me, you taught me how to cry. And I said, ah, what a gift, what a gift for me and for him. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it stems from childhood because I think it's slowly, slowly as each generation goes on, it gets better. Like parents now are allowing their little boys to cry sometimes but still not all the times but you know you see it in the playground where if a little girl hurts herself she, she's cuddled and she's held and she's soothed and loved and little boys are like come on mate toughen up you can you know you'll be all right and so in doing that what we're telling our little boys is that don't cry you have to toughen up you're not allowed to cry so that's the message that men have been given forever that they're not allowed to show their emotions. And unfortunately, a lot of women, as much as they think they do, they don't know how to handle their men when they're upset. 
and you know, I've seen couples where I've had to help the woman understand that, well, if your man cries, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and help him and, and talk to him? Or are you going to just kind of brush it away and, and leave him to it? So women are still trying to figure out how to be there for their men as well. So it's like a double-edged sword where a lot of women, they want their men to be vulnerable and to cry, but they actually don't have a man for it. And that doesn't help the situation. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I feel like I've kind of unfortunately gotten to be a part of that. Like, uh, just like the, a few months ago, I had this really bad, uh, like a cancer mishap type thing happen. And to where um, I ended up getting fibromyalgia, but we didn't know exactly what it was beforehand. And so I wasn't taking any medication. So I couldn't walk. I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And so, but I got to see my fiance, like be strong until I started to loosen up and like the more like once I got scared you know like you could tell like she was like like don't get me wrong like this girl's a savage like she can handle her own but like yeah it you I there was it was it took something because she had looked at me like superman like our mm -hmm. entire relationship you know like that nothing could ever happen to me no matter how injured I got and when she seen me really injured and like not be able to get up and like I start expressing emotion about like, you know, being scared that that look changed, you know, and and like I seen it change. So like it, that was kind of like a goal almost of mine to like I need to retain that, you know, like I need to get that image back. And it, it's this really, really weird thing. I don't know what that is about being a man or maybe it's just being stubborn, you know, <laughs> but there's definitely something to be said about like education on both sides about, you know, being allowed to be vulnerable while at the same time being able to actually accept vulnerability and what to mm -hmm. do with it as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think in the, in the beginning stages of any relationship, most men want to be, so it kind of goes back to the caveman days where the men want to be the, um, the, pr the protector and the provider and the woman is the nurturer. But as society progresses and the men no longer have to be that same level of protection or provider because women are certainly able to provide for themselves now and mostly they're able to protect themselves as well. And... So that the dynamics between man and woman are changing. But if you start off in your relationship being that big, strong, manly man protector and you've been together for a while and then all of a sudden you're unwell, then your perception or both of your perceptions are going to change. Like you suddenly have to admit that, oh, shit, okay, I'm, I am vulnerable and I'm not as um, you know, safe as maybe I thought I was because look at me now, I'm sick. And she has to then go, oh, my God, this man is actually human and he can be vulnerable and bad things can happen to him. And that's a scary moment for both of you as individuals to see that at any given moment my partner could be taken from me. It's a scary thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I've always been curious about people that are... Um, 
I, I, I guess not people, um, but who work in your profession, like you hear stories, obviously, you know, from, from all over the world, um, how, and you obviously carry with you the weight of your own narrative. Um, how often do you find yourself inserting your narrative, you know, into somebody else's storyline? And does that, is that something that does happen? Cause I mean, just being, you know, like somebody's friend, it's easy to be like, oh, that happened to me. What I did was, you know, such mm-hmm. and such and such. So, yeah. and especially kind of going through, you know, like a, a pretty, I mean, you went through a divorce at a very young age, you're married very young. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there had to have been a pretty extensive, you know, story, um, which I'd also like to love to hear some of you wouldn't mind t- um, kind of sharing some of that with us. But like, mm-hmm. is it, is it, does your narrative get put into other storylines from, from clients? Uh, I try not to, to be honest, because it's not about me. Occasionally, I will ask the client permission. I'll actually say to them, is it okay if I share with you a little bit about my story? Only if I think it's going to be beneficial. And I'll only give them like, say, two minutes max. Because I know a lot of therapists go on and on about their own stuff. And the reason I know that is because I've heard clients say to me, oh, my God, I went to this therapist. And I just talked about themselves and I think, oh, my God, they're so unprofessional. <laughs> Don't do that. So I would never do that. Um, so what I do instead is I, I really help the client to figure it out for themselves. So I, I use the body as a way to teach clients, you know, read into your body, feel into your body, what's your body telling you, kind of a process. That's I'm not going to explain it all now. Right. But it really helps clients to feel in and to heal whatever's going on inside of them. Um, I do lots of different different sort of techniques, the standard sort of CBT stuff, which is about helping you to look at your thoughts and the way it affects your behaviour and how you feel and all of that sort of standard stuff. But I also like to do some timeline therapy and, and things like that. And as a psychologist, you're not meant to be doing those, the timeline therapy and things, but as a coach, well, I'm just purely doing the coaching, I can do that and um, I love it and that's why I do it. So that's why I've kind of started doing the, the coaching because it's, it's for me, it's, it's more who I am. It's more expressive. It's fun. Right, right. <laughs> you know, even though I'm dealing with some really serious issues, you know, just this week I had this amazing woman who I met for the first time and we had this amazing breakthrough um, when we helped, I helped her to release her anger and you know, she was crying. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And she left like walking on cloud nine. It was great. So this is, this is the kind of the reward that this role can give. Well, maybe you should get with, uh, with my therapist, tell her how you did that because my therapist <laughs> thinks it's a joke how, how angry I am at times. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've gotten significantly better at it. Um, but since you don't really tell your story too much to like to your clients or to your patients, um, maybe we can hear part of your story now. Um, and so you got married pretty young, um, into, I've always been curious into like, you know, you're dating fairly young and then you get married. Is there that actual wedding date 
is there a significant change that happens you know from like a day to day um is other than like the weight of the ring you know like is is there a feeling mm. that changes you know from being that young of like oh shit or is it still walking on cloud nine at that point yeah wow well, no one's ever asked me that question before <laughs> um <laughs> for me it was a massive change because i was still living with mom and dad up until our wedding day so okay. it was the very old-fashioned you know yeah um yeah, I'm at home, now I'm married, and now I'm living somewhere else. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I've got to start fending for myself, cooking for myself, and I, I moved uh, about half an hour or so away from, from where both of our families live because that's where we couldn't afford to live at that time. Um, so it was a bit isolating as well. Uh, we actually stayed there for about three months because it was, I couldn't handle it, it was too far away for me. But um, I found it really tough and there was more, yeah, I'm not going to say it was cloud nine for sure. No, there was even a fight on the honeymoon. Um, and I'll admit back then I was a very different person. I remember once I got so angry at him because he just wouldn't, he couldn't hear me. I actually tried to slap him and, and he thought it was cute. And he, he stopped me and he laughed at me and, that was, I think, the kind of nail in the coffin for me. I then didn't get very angry very often. I, it all became internal because he laughed. He thought it was freaking hilarious that I was that angry. Um, just couldn't, he just couldn't see it. So it wasn't great, no. <laughs> From the beginning, actually. You know, we fought. They were all there. They were all there. He had all his own stuff to deal with Not at all. They cut out for a second. I completely stopped hearing you. It just like started. I was like waiting for something to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Sorry about right. that. That's my internet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was, I was trying to figure out what was happening. So sorry. I hope it didn't look rude or anything. Um, no, no. Yeah. So I right, continue with uh, kind of what you were what you were going with before the robot internet sounds kicked in. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think I heard, I saw that happen. So I, I stopped talking. I hope, I hope you heard that I said that it wasn't, um, it was a problem right from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess there was. Now, before you continue, sorry, would, yeah, was please. he like a manipulative or, you know, like, like argumentative before you got married or was this something yeah. that was, oh, okay. So this was, was. so you kind of <laughs> knew what you were getting into a little bit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, was, I was just blind. Yeah. Um, I thought things would get better. I don't even know what I was thinking. I was like 20. Um, yeah, I gave up uni. You know, I was studying social work for a year and I gave that up because I thought, oh, well, I need to work now. So I did that. I stopped seeing my friends as often um, to hang out with him. It, it, my world became about making him happy and in the process forgetting how to make myself happy. So I don't know if he was manipulative. He was more controlling. 
I think, you know, but in, in from the kind of guilt trip sort of way, like, I almost, as we're talking, I'm thinking, wow, I've kind of put this in a box over there. <laughs> I haven't thought about this in, in, in talking about it like this for a very long time. So he was more controlling, I guess, controlling and manipulative to me kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I guess it does, doesn't it? And it was yeah. kind of subtle things like if I was wearing something he didn't like, I would near the end of it. If um, you know, if I cut my hair short, oh god, it was just I don't like it. Gray hair, when are you going to gray hair back? All that sort of stuff. Um, if I bought the wrong, remember once he had a fit because I, I bought the wrong jam. You know, stupid things like that. Nothing ever being good enough. That's what it was. Nothing was ever good enough. Um, you know, it was very, very, very hard to please and I was constantly trying to do that until, and it was probably only two years after the divorce, where I finally said, this man is unpleasable, I'm not going to try ever again. And I stopped and then my life got better and he, he's probably too. Um, and it was a few years later that he actually apologised. You know, I guess he finally realised that he messed that all up. I was like, okay, thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember like when we started talking, one of the like the kind of interesting things that I think that we came across was the fact that I've openly, you know, been okay saying that I've been kind of like a shitty dude in the in like the past and had and kind of been that person in the relationship. Um, you know, if not even worse at times, you know, obviously without being there knowing, you know, the details or whatever. Um, but mm. I've definitely been in some situations that I'm not proud of. And it took quite a long time and, you know, still clearly working on it. Um, but I had to, I ended up going to like rehab um, and, you know, stop drinking, you know, drugs, just basically everything. And then getting into therapy and really like diving into like why things happen and kind of being not so much okay admitting what I did because I'm not proud of you know anything that happened but being okay that it did it happen that, that you know I can't change it um okay. and so I know a lot of stuff that comes from that at least from like my perspective is like a lot of insecurities and things um, yeah. basically like trying to control others because can't really control what's going on in myself or I don't really know who I am to make decisions or you know there's there's so many avenues that that can go down um, yeah. as you've kind of like worked through everything like you said you've almost like kind of compartmentalized it and you know put it into a box do you ever look back on yourself at that time and kind of reflect now and see like who you were where you've come what you've learned and kind of do you still carry that person with you or have you been able to kind of like let that person go as well as what actually happened mm. i think i carry the old man with me a little bit for sure but i'm so proud of myself and where i've come from so I don't want to ignore the old me ever because if it wasn't for that part of me, I wouldn't be where I, I am now. And I needed to go through all of that so that I, I could understand people and their journey. And 
if I didn't have my ex-husband, I probably wouldn't have um, done psychology because I was going to start social work, so it's a completely different thing. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have done coaching because, you know, I always had this sense inside of me that I was meant to be doing something more, 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 and I didn't know what it was and it took me. It took him actually saying to me that everything in our relationship that was wrong was my fault. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Like, and he was heard perfect. it, heard it. Yes, apparently. Yeah, my I've fault. been perfect before too. Yeah, I should meet this guy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Probably get on well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so eventually I went to a psychologist to, to shut him up in my mind. It was all his fault, so I wasn't going to go. But in the end, I went, stop this. I'm going just to shut him up. And I came home from that one visit and said, I'm going back to university. I'm going to be a psychologist. Uh, I'm not happy. And this is why our relationship is not happy. But after one hour, that's what I said to him. And he was really peeved off about that. He didn't want me to go to uni. He wanted me to fix myself. Um, But going to uni was great because... It showed me a lot. A lot of psychologists have their issues and that's why they go and study psychology. Um, it showed me a lot. It taught me a lot. It led me to coaching. It led me to here. It led me to therapy. You know, as a psychologist in Australia, we have to do some supervision every single year, 10 hours worth, which doesn't sound like much, but it's, you know, it's something. Plus, I do lots of other stuff. I've done a load of work on myself to get to this point. And... Um, so I really thank him now because he has taught me so much. And I know that if I met him now, we would have a completely different relationship because I'm different. Now, I wouldn't put up with him telling me what to do. I would just like, okay, whatever. You don't like it. That's your problem. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't pander to him like I did before. So I can see my role in that. I allowed myself to get completely... Yeah, let's go with the word manipulated. I guess I did. I allowed that to happen um, because I was young and naive and I wanted to, I thought that I had to please him to, to be happy rather than please myself. Do you ever, like, wonder why it happened? You know, I mean, like, why, like, the hostility and, you know, just just kind of everything surrounding it. Like, why did it happen? Not so much, like, yeah, yeah, I guess just in, the encompassing why factor, you know, that kind of surrounds everything. Well, I guess he had his his stuff from the past as well, his traumas from the past that he had never worked on. He didn't really know himself very well. I didn't know myself very well. So we had these, these two people who desperately wanted to be seen, didn't really know how to do that way too young to get married because I had no experience of relationship really before him. He had a couple of girlfriends, as you do, but nothing really serious. So we just didn't know how to relate. We didn't know how to be in a healthy, functional relationship. So um, we crashed. And a lot of people do that. You know, they look for their partner to complete them, you know that, or, you know, you complete me, bullshit. Um, If you want to be in a a good relationship, a healthy, happy relationship, you have to love yourself first. 
if you don't love yourself first, then you're going to keep on attracting things, uh, uh, people, situations that are there going to teach you. So, you know, the more you love yourself, the more functional your relationship will be. Right. So how are relationships in, you know, everything going forward from the divorce and from graduation from uni and, you know, moving mm. on to like your professional career? How does, how does everything kind of play a factor in now? Yeah, well, first couple of years were, I guess, just about finding myself. So um, went on a few dates, but nothing really serious. That was, you know, that's what you do. That was fine. Then I, I did end up in a, a two-year relationship that was really very long for me. Uh, I'm quite sensitive to people's energy, so I was always exhausted with him. He was a nice guy, but he was very um, low energy and and, and I was always drained when I was around him. Um, I just want to say when people have kids, right, and your kids don't really like your partner, you should listen to them. <laughs> my kids struck, my kids really struggled with him and uh, I could see it. And at the end, it was my children that made me break up with him because they both said if he moves in here, we're moving out. I was like, all right, there's no way that's going to happen. So um took a good hard look at me and, and my relationship with him and, and I ended it, which was definitely the right thing to do. Um, and then probably only six months or so after that, what I actually did was uh, wrote out a list of exactly what I wanted in a relationship. It was a full page typed list, exactly what I wanted from, um, you know, I, I want my kids to love him or at least like him. If he has kids, I want them to, to like my kids. I want them to get on. I want him to, you know, be secure in, in who, him, who he is and financially secure and this and that, just this whole list. Um, and then five days later or whatever it was, I met him online and, and now we're married. We've been married for three years and together for seven. So um, Five days after you wrote the list? Yep, five days. Yeah. <laughs> well i guess once you figure out what you want it's not really hard to like go find it you know if you you, you know you don't have to like see all the stuff you don't want so that's right i was fully focused and, and you know i kind of wrote the list i still remember it so clearly and i printed it up and i read it again and i got chills it's like oh my god this is going to be the best relationship ever and then i just chucked the list in the drawer and um then i met grant his name is uh, online and you know we shouldn't have met because a he lied about his age so he was a couple of years older than my parameters and b he said that he lived in a different postcode which was an hour away but there was something about his profile that I was like oh this guy looks really nice so we started chatting and then we met and then a couple of months later I remembered the list <laughs> I pulled it out and I showed him and he was like yeah I think we're nearly there. It's like, all right, this is good. So, did you show him the list? I did. Really? How, <laughs> yeah. did, how did that go over? Because like, so like, I've, so I like to like, think of my life as like, I've lived multiple lives. Yeah. As far as, you know, like my previous life is, you know, like before I went to rehab and like all the partying and everything. And, and that guy would have heard of a woman that wrote a list and be like oh so she's crazy 
you know, and I want nothing to do with her. And and now that like, you know, I've started moving into like the professional world and like engaged and kind of gotten my shit together. If like I had to go back into the dating world and be like have a list, like, oh cool, can I see it? You know, first of all, I'm just kind of curious to see what your expectations are. Yeah. And second, like there's nothing wrong with having goals and being focused and knowing what you want. Cause I've had Absolutely. some relationships to where like I've left relationships to get into relationships that looked fun, that were just horrible. Like they were just worse. Like, you know, obviously like I just continued to get worse throughout each one and never actually stopped to look at myself. So many people don't. I mean, what's wrong with knowing what you want? If you know what you want, okay, I'll put it this way. Say you want to buy a car, right? Mm -hmm. And you go to a car yard and they sell, they sell all the different makes and models and they might have some motorbikes in there as well. And you go there and you have no idea what you want. You might know that, oh, yeah, I want a car that's between two and three years old, but that's all you know. It's going to be really hard for you to choose the right car for you. You might walk away from there with the wrong car and then think, oh, why don't I buy this car? So when people buy a car, they know what they want, generally speaking. They know how much they want to spend, how old it's going to be, maybe what colour they want it to be, the model, the make. Sometimes they know everything. They know exactly the car that they want. What, if, what would it be like if we went into a relationship knowing this is what I want? And if you don't tick the top five non-negotiables, then this is not for me and it's not for you either. You save them all the grief and hassle and you sell, sell, save yourself all that grief and hassle. Because if you choose someone and they only have like the top two things and the, and the next three things that are really important to you are not a match, it's not going to work because A, you're going to want them to change or they're going to want you to change. And we don't want to change. We want to be our true, authentic self. Yeah, it, it's just really hard to not think about. It's almost like shopping for like a Honda Civic. You know, like I feel like you're like comparing your husband, you know, to like going and like just picking one out on the lot. And, you know, that's the one. But yeah. you're very right, you know. And the, the hard part that I've found is you have to know what you don't want at least for me anyway, you know, of like learning what I don't want, what doesn't work for me and what, what brings what out of me, you know, to learn who I even am. So, yeah. or is that something that you were, yeah, I guess that's how I would want to word that question is, do yeah. you think you have to know who you are to know what you want first? I guess. It definitely helps. Right. But you can start with a simple list. You can start, and and it's interesting the way you say, I don't know what I don't want. Well, that's great because what you need to know is what you do want. So often when I say to people, what do you want in a relationship, they always tell me what they don't want. I don't want a liar. I don't want to cheat. I don't want an alcoholic. I'm like, okay, so what do you want? And they're like, I just told you. I'm like, no, you didn't. So then I reframe it. What you do want is someone who's trustworthy, someone who's honest, someone who's healthy in their body or who respects their body. So you focus on what you do want. That whole list has to be 100% positive and focused on what you do want. 
Otherwise, the unconscious mind keeps looking for, I don't want a cheater, I don't want a cheater, I don't want a cheater, cancels out the word don't, and then you're left with, I want a cheater. You keep on finding cheaters all the time. That is crazy. Like, I, I see how that plays out, but, like, to actually, yeah, I don't know, because... Mm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of women say that they don't want a cheater. And then for some reason, so during while me being a piece of shit, every girl liked me because they said that I was different and I wasn't like all the other guys. And I got them to think that by telling them I wasn't a cheater, when most times I was cheating on someone else with them before I got with them. <laughs> so <laughs> you are a bad boy <laughs> oh yeah 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 no i definitely was like in it yeah it's not something that like you know i'm proud of but yeah. i i feel like more guys need to be honest about things you know not so much like blunt and try to like you know i slept with this many women you know because like yeah. after like being engaged in like thinking about you know like having kids and you know like having a career and you I'm not in college anymore you know like mm -hmm. I, you kind of look back on things and be like oh so I was a piece of shit and it it didn't always go the other way you know it wasn't always that I didn't call the girl back you know like they might have just not wanted me you know, mm. and then like you have to kind of like go through that whole thought process, you know, of like who was using yeah. who or, you know, whatever. It the does case. go both ways. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you and your audience a little secret. Both Grant and I were dating other people when we first met. And, and you said I was the bad one. <laughs> but we, to we, to we told each other, right? And the guy okay. that I was seeing, he knew, he knew that, I, you know, he said to me, Leanne, I'm never going to fall in love with you. I was like, all right, whatever. We'll just hang on. <laughs> um, yeah. And I showed him my list and he said to me, um, oh, this list is way too far-fetched. You're never going to achieve that. Instantly I knew he was not my guy. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So I said I said to him, I'm going on a date uh, with this guy the other day. He was like, okay. And then, um, you know, and this is another thing that gets me, this whole idea of chemistry, right? When Grant and I went on our first date, we both thought that the other person didn't, we, that we weren't compatible, that we didn't like each other. There was no kiss, not even a kiss on the cheek, nothing. And and I said to this other guy, oh, don't worry, he, he didn't like me, didn't even try and give me a kiss. And Grant walked away thinking I didn't like him either. And then we, we rang me and said, well, let's catch up for a coffee. Okay, well, we had a nice dinner, let's catch up. And it was two or three dates later, I think the third, Nope, you're not allowed. You cannot find out what happened on the third date. I had to wait a couple weeks. So now you are going to have to wait until you click on the second episode. So it's not that big of a wait for you. But for me it was, and I am not going to tell you exactly how the third date went. I can tell you it's not what you think. Whatever you think, it's not that. So go ahead and find our second episode. Um, I'm having fun speaking with Leanne, and we've kind of been able to build up a rapport so our second conversation got a lot more in depth. We talk a little bit more about vulnerability, uh, me being a shitty person. So you definitely want to listen to that. 
a little bit of analysis on her end and uh, we get more into the porn industry how guys are fucking up relationships and uh, yeah highly recommend stick around and uh, learn for yourself just how to get out of a funk from a breakup or to not go through one so second episode sleep tuned